This is AV Week, episode 17, recorded November 25th, 2011. Food Coma Craziness. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of AV news and information. I'm your host, Tim Albright. Thank you for stopping by. With us this week is Dawn Mead. She's known as AV Dawn, avdawn.com. She's also a consultant and a rave blog squatter. Happy Thanksgiving, Miss Dawn. Happy Thanksgiving to you, everybody. Dawn was one of the brave souls out on Black Friday, which is the, the day we're recording here, so... Uh, also with us is George Tucker. He is at Tucker 2's, the engineering coordinator for World Stage and an all-around nice gentleman. How are you, George? I'm doing just fine, thank you. George, on the other hand, was not out at midnight last night. Oh, hell no. <laughs> hell no. Chicken. Hell no. Chicken. I, I shop online. Please, I don't even shop for clothes in a store anymore, okay? I refuse to. That explains so many things. What you, you tell me? You say uh, bell bottoms aren't in style anymore? What? Actually, no, they are. That's the bad thing. <laughs> there's a picture. There, there's a. I've already started going down the wrong hill. Uh, there's a. There's a picture of me and my father back in the seventies, and we had matching uh, lime green leisure suits. Nice. Yeah. Wow. I'll have to pull that up somewhere because yeah. You have to post that. That's my mom was so proud of those things. So. Good grief. Yeah. <laughs> the things you do to your children when they're young. Whew. Come back to haunt them later. Just say. Oh, it, it's fine. It's fine. I've promised my mother since the early 80s that once she gets old and in a home, I get to dress her up funny to make up for the 70s. So. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Let's do some, some actual AV news. Uh, this week, Infocom elects the 2012 board. George made a joke uh, earlier talking about this online or offline. Um, I don't remember any of the campaign promises. I don't remember any of the stump speeches. I don't either. I just thought we should mention it. Um, The the LDC chair is Jim Ford uh, from Ford Audio Video Video Systems. Uh, President is Greg Jeffries. President-elect is is from your neck of the woods, Don Tony Warner. Uh, And the secretary-treasurer is Joanne Bellinger from AVW. Tel Aviv, Tel Aviv Audio Video Systems. Is that right? Tel Aviv, or just T E L A V? I shouldn't even try to pronounce that as a word, should I? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> so, what do you guys think? Is this a good list? Is this a bad list? Do we, you know, I think it's important because it's the board, but you know, of the board of the of the, you know, one of the premier top AV industry bodies. Um, I I think it's pretty great. You know, I'm on the membership committee for Infocom, and we are a board-appointed committee, so I get to work with these folks. Um, I see our our membership liaison on the board, Tom Barry, still on there. He's fantastic. He's great people. Um, Barry and a few others from my area are here. Congrats to Tony. He's uh, a consultant here in the Baltimore area and fantastic guy, CTSD, lead, and everything else. He's got a whole bunch of letters after his name, um, and he's, he's an awesome guy, so I can't wait till he's uh, president and does great things with the association. But uh, I'm, I'm really excited. There seem to be 
three, I think, women on the board. Yeah, this that's year. that's really cool, isn't it? And uh, there's uh, Jan, Joanne, and Corey. Corey Schaefer is a buddy of mine from Listen Technologies, and um, I think it's great. You know, for for as small of a fraction as we are in the industry, we are growing in number, us ladies, and uh, having three of us on the board is fantastic, as far as I'm concerned. George, you good with this board? Yeah, my my only thing is I wanted them to please change the name back to ICIA because it's so much easier to write. I'm tired of writing Inter- Infocom International. You could write IC. <laughs> Can I tell you the stupid story? One of the first formerly classes, known as yeah, the one of the first classes I ever took at, at Crestron, uh, <laughs> they asked the, any membership uh, any m- memberships I had, and I was a member of, of Infocom already, and I already had my CTS. And on the list, it had like CDA and stuff like that, and they had ICIA. And instead of Infocom, and I stood there, I sat there for probably five minutes going, I, I don't know what this is, and I don't want to feel stupid and ask. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had to go up to the to the, the guy doing the t- – I said, what is what is this? He goes, oh, that's Infocom. And I said, oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, the former name. The former I think name. the only – the, the only problem with the name change, I, I don't mind the name change, writing it out. It's just get, gets confusing when you have to say Infocom the Association or Infocom the Show is, is the only confusing bit. But uh, Why did they change I, the name? No idea. When or why? Why? Uh, from what I remember, remember of the press release, yes, as much as I hate them, I do read these things. Um, <laughs> and you remember them. Yeah, well, this one I remembered because, I, well, first of all, it made me think of the AMX name change all those years ago to Panja. Um <laughs> which is some derivative of Swahili for meaning tip of the spear or something of that nature. Um, but they change it to reflect the International Association of Infocom. Okay, whatever. Um, my only question is, when are they going to turn themselves into a symbol a la Prince? Because that's the <laughs> next step. You know what? That's a darn cool symbol, though. It was a darn cool symbol, but, you know, come on. You just couldn't pronounce it, you know. No, no. Well, and Except- he did it on purpose, didn't he? He did it on purpose just to piss right. off Time Warner. Yes. And if the association did that, we wouldn't be able to pronounce their symbol, so we would have to call them the association formerly known as, or just the, asso- the association, which is, doesn't that save us cool, any time. That would be cool, though. <laughs> the association. Well, you know, here's, here, here's a lesson in names, though. Panja. If you misspelled that and left out a letter, it took you to a very, very nasty site. Jeez. One that popped up screens full screen with no way to exit it until you were, but it had like 15 screens. Trust me, I did this once at work by mistake. Yeah. <laughs> at home, I might have done it on purpose, but here it was by mistake. And I called them and they were like, oh, yeah, that's too bad. And that was their reaction. I was like, did nobody check spelling derivatives on the web before they put this thing up? That that can be true of anything. I mean, for a few years, WhiteHouse.com was a questionable site. So, But people right. knew about that. This is not a misspelling. This is, you know, they couldn't do nothing about it. But this was not someone trying to ride off the coattails of an AV company. This was an AV company not checking. Yeah. Well, no, that, was poor, that was a poor decision all around because it came out right at the same time as South Park's sexual harassment panda episode. And so every time oh, we geez. talked to them, we called them sexual harassment panda. So. Nice. <laughs> well, this site would have fit, let me tell you. Oosh. Oh, my. Look at the time. Okay. <laughs> From HomeTheaterReview.com, Andrew Robinson writes about uh, 4K. He says in it, it's not 3D. It's a new format, to which I say, oh, great. That's what I want is a new freaking format. Um, according to Andrew, he says we're we're prepared this time for the format wars and the changeover. 
I'm going to ask a, a, a simplistic question. Don, we'll start with you. Why can't they just let me get caught up on the old technology before they start producing 4K? Because it's like Spaceballs 2, the sequel. It's the search for more money. Ooh. Nicely put. Nicely like put. That. Indeed. Very nice. Thank you. <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, you know, we are a tech industry and we are going to come up with new innovations all the time. And, you know, we make the joke in the industry that by the time you get home from Infocom, all the stuff you saw is obsolete, you know, because something new has come out. But, but they do need to at least settle on a format for a couple of months before they go crazy and, and, you know, make us replace everything. It's, you know, like, like uh, Tommy Lee Jones said in Men in Black, what, what is that? That just means I'm going to have to buy the White Album all over again. It's, <laughs> you know, they, they, they just keep coming after us. And uh, I mean, I'm a tech geek, but enough's enough sometimes. <laughs> well, and George, I saw, I, I, I was at a, 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 a meeting uh, in, in Infocom this year where Sony was showing off their 4K projector. Mm-hmm. I saw it as, at a presentation. I was not... I was under-impressed, and from my perspective, I was under-impressed because the content was probably not 4K. It was probably, at best, you know, HD, 1080 of some sort. So are they just putting this out there hoping people will, hey, go produce 4K, or do they actually have something in the pipeline? From what I can understand, they have stuff in the pipeline, and I know that in the staging world, this is a big conversation, the 4K conversation is something that we're all looking at. It's a different aspect ratio, slightly. Uh, sort of akin to like, what is it, Cinescope or yeah. uh, you know, those, old, those old brand names for the widescreen uh, projection systems. So, and the article makes a good point is that love it or hate it, upgrade or not, it's going to affect what we're going to see in the future. And I think there is a good 10-year uh, or maybe a five-year uh, two-full market that this is going to take. I think you're right. It wasn't the probably native 4K content. But from what I've seen, people who can't really tell the difference between 1080i and 1080p or just don't bother to will instantly see this difference between, say, HD and a native 4K content. It's that much higher resolution. And I, what was the, uh, the, the quote? It's, it's the resolution, stupid? Yeah. <laughs> That's really what you're going to get. Um, as to another market for the home, you're right. The conversion, the new tools. Do I need an intermediary box to make it work in the interim? I think we're tapped out in this economy trying to generate some kind of fuel with something that requires that much upgrade. You're talking commercial applications only for a while, and that will trickle to the home. Well, see, and that's interesting to me because sometimes it is the home that trickles out into the workplace or the, or the professional world. Right, you know. but in recent history, it has been that, yeah, in the last 10, 15 years, definitely. Well, and really, other than people that are looking at detailed spreadsheets or very intricate drawings and you know, medical or, or military applications, I, all don't, I don't see the, the point in having 4K for the, the, the corporate world. I mean, I, I almost feel that this is something that would be almost exclusively for the home to see those movies in that great, you know, mm-hmm. you know once they have the content – the, the fantastic resolution and the fantastic detail in the movies, but who cares when you're looking at a PowerPoint? So I kind of see it as the flip side. Even though the economy is bad, it's going to be the high-end home guys that might really drive this and just sort of pull the rest of us kicking and screaming because it's another expense. Well, there is one other, there is one other advantage to the 4K, which is you get a higher resolution, wider image in a smaller area. 
and that's what this technology is supposed to allow you at least is that you can get like an 80 inch screen uh, versus of LCD with clarity. So in a smaller room, people can sit closer to it and still see um, still see the image without that. What is it called? The screen door effect, I think he calls it in the uh, in the article. Yeah. Those little right. pixelate, you start to see the grid. Well, in the and in, in 4K, you're not supposed to be able to see that really. So you can, in I say a smaller home or a smaller room or a conference room, get that bigger, brighter, higher resolution image in a smaller area. Right. Is that the motivating? I have to have it. Nah, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't either. Right. Because if you take a plasma and, and, and that's you know, and, until LED comes out with you know with zero pitch, plasma is still my my display of choice. If you take a, a fifty inch or a sixty inch plasma, I don't see that. I mean, I don't. Do you guys? Well, it depends on how close you sit. And not right up against it. But. Right. Well, I mean, what I think the article also says, like, for an 80-inch or a, a, a similar type for LCD, you're at 10 to 12 feet for optimal viewing. Yeah. With the 4K, you can be somewhere at 8 to 6 feet. That's but a huge difference. But I you're going to burn your like retinas lot, out if you're that close. <laughs> You'll go blind. You will go blind. That's <laughs> what I keep telling my kids. Get away from the television. You don't have to be that close. I think that's well, actually about- been disproven, actually. Shush, George. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they don't listen to the show. Come on. <laughs> this is true. They don't. So, uh, From Rave Publications, AMX Ships Vision 2 Streaming Video System. Uh, this is integrated video over IP. I don't believe it's proprietary, at least not according to the, to the, to the thing on, on Rave. I couldn't find anything that said this, this is proprietary, which to me is, is unique against compared to Extrons and Crestrons. Video over twisted pair. Uh, that's that's what got got me about this about this this release is the fact that these guys are doing they're integrating video over IP for not just their system but you can put it into their control system you can put it into into other places. Uh, George is, is I, I don't know much about AMX I've you know I've had my issues with them from a, from an end user standpoint but this to me is something hey it's it's innovative and it's cool. Yeah, although my first thought was that this was some kind of interesting attempt to go after the Ustream slash live uh, stick cam mm-hmm. <laughs> crowd. It was, uh, or as I wanted to dub it, Roku Pro. Well, and yeah. that's what it really sounds like to me. Uh, all in one stream, capture live, playback stuff on for video on demand over a uh, you know uh, twisted pair. Sorry, Cat Five for shorthand, but it's probably yeah. not really Cat Five yeah. uh, infrastructure. It's interesting and it's curious. Is it is it proprietary? Well, I'm sure the hooks to it are proprietary. Um, although I was you really think more, so? eh, probably. I, I don't see anything that says that it could be controlled by any other system or that it had a protocol that you could attach. Now, I'm sure all of these companies have some underlying protocol that, if you really needed to, the tech set, you know, tech support or an engineering go. Here are the five lines you need of code to spit out and talk to it, and it'll do the following. See, we all, they all have that. Well, are you sure? Because I, I've never, in, in talking to Crestron and Extron both, never gotten the sense that I could ever break into that without one of their boxes end-to-end. I mean, Crestron, I, Crestron, I know specifically you can't because they're handling HDCP like, like nobody else is doing it. But, but that's what, how they're doing it, though, is they're, they're controlling the entire environment, aren't they? Right. Well, yes, yes. And well, I guess my, my point was that it, you could get some very rudimentary control. All of these, you know, there, there is an underlying access to this stuff that you can do. And it's in this crazy two-bit, you know, word that the hexadecimal, four-bit, whatever, whatever converted. Um, 
but it's possible. But you wouldn't want to do all your programming in it because it's just so uh, annoying. Yeah. But you can. <laughs> um, and I don't look. Doesn't look to me like they're they're looking to sell this with some other control. It's either standalone, I think, or with AMX. Um, because the way that they're selling it doesn't seem to say you need to be integrated to an existing system. But I'm sure they'll have some little doodad. I mean, the, the page wasn't exactly clear. We had an Infocom video, some very basic specs, and the page looked like there was a lot of information, but i got to tell you, it repeated itself yeah, quite a I bit. Did. Right. Did. So it's an interesting concept. Again, it sort of comes back to the touchscreen thing. We now have a lot of devices for very inexpensive touchscreens, including mobile mass market devices like the iPad and, and the iPhone or even a, and an Android, that whole tablet world. And for a good portion of people, that's, that's a fine interface for them and they have no problem. And the argument in the industry has been, well, but for certain applications, high use areas, for public areas, for your mudroom, you don't want to put a, you know, an iPad in there that's going to get damaged. There's still right. a point for pro, uh, proprietary touchscreens. I think in some way they're saying this. Eh, you could do a Roku. You could do a Kaleidoscape. They're expensive. Roku's cheap. Do you really want to trust a Roku? They're sort of trying to find and create this niche market. I'm sure there was some research that said it was there. Um, it's intriguing, but I'd like to see more of it before I can make a real determination if it's going to survive. Right. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say, you know, I think it's great that they're starting to branch out into some other areas. Um, you know, with things like the iPad and with some of the software solutions and other alternative control systems coming down the pike, it's good to see the old stalwarts, you know, AMX, Crestron, and even Extron now diversifying some and, and bringing, you know, the, their, their name and their quality, arguably, if some would say, um, to, to other products, you know, that people trust the name AMX or they trust the name Crestron, they trust the name Extron, and they need to branch out to, to keep afloat with, you know, more and more co competition coming in. Um, I, I think if it is, you know, not proprietary, if it's sort of um, equipment agnostic of a solution, it would be a brilliant move on their part. Yeah. Um, we, we are more and more running into the, the converged, post-convergence IP, you know, IT and, and AV systems. And the IT guys, they don't have this love affair with AMX or Extron or Crestron. They're just those a AV tools that we use with our IT stuff, yeah. you know. And, and IT guys, are, uh, companies are realizing this and bringing out solutions that really encroach into our field, so to speak, and, and, and taking over some of the market. So I think if AMX were to bring out something that wasn't proprietary, that could be used with an IT system, in, you know, in, in a modern control world with anything, they would be brilliant because they would have the trust level of people know this brand. They know they've been in AV for a while, you know, and if it does what they promise it does, the quality – but they would be able to use it not just in an – we wouldn't have to replace the whole room with AMX to yes. make it go. You know? and, and see, that's, that's what excited me. I mean, it, the, granted, and, and just for clarification, I've never had – just for clarification, I've never had an issue with, with AMX's quality. Never questioned. I mean, they have some of the sexiest touch panels in the industry. My issue right. with AMX has always been their customer service. So, right. and, But this is one product that I think I, I would even overlook just to at least try it out. Right, right. So. If it does what it says. If it does what it says. Well, that's with like, anything, though. I mean, I would say, like everything we discuss on this show, if it does what it says. I had a an, 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 one of the first uh, Twitter conversations I ever had with with uh, uh, AV writer Linda Frembies, uh was about vaporware and how irritated I was this this summer at Infocom 
because one of the major manufacturers showed this really cool product. And, you know, it, even during the demonstration, they were saying, you know, it was going to ship first quarter of 2012. And when you got the guys behind the booth and, you know, whispering in your ear, yeah, probably fourth quarter fourth quarter of 2012, maybe first of 2013. It's like, really? It's, it's 2011. It so huh? Yeah. Then why show it so soon? Exactly. You know, that would be your, like, whiz-bang feature of next year's Infocom, not, you know. It's like, here, let me tell you about all the great things I'm going to do in three years. <laughs> I'm going to be king of the world. Exactly. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, <laughs> but you need column space for the show, baby. Column space in the press. No. No, I don't. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, we have a couple different stories that have kind of, I'm going to throw them together. Um, DARPA has developed, and if you don't know what DARPA is, um it is for some reason I've lost my notes here. What is DARPA, George? Well, sure. Take take me on right now. Uh we're gonna have to edit that out. I don't know. I forget what DARPA stands for. You're short? I'm short? Did you just say you're short? I said you're gonna have to edit that out. Edit what out? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> Screw Dar- it. DARPA Let's... DARPA is All right. uh, you know DARPA what? Google. is hang on. DARPA is the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. Okay, I'm you gonna, should know. I'm gonna, the government. I'm going to start this story over and ask Don and not <laughs> ask you a darn thing. <clears throat> hey, look! Don't, don't, don't! No transference here, buddy. <laughs> this is a classic case of transference. Oh, absolutely, it is. <laughs> when I get done with with my international advertising pro, pro, uh, uh, project, I'm going to send it to you because I got all kinds of transference and stuff so (laughs) and three and two Two and one uh, we have a couple stories here that are i'm going to throw together uh the first is about darpa don what does darpa stand for darpa is the defense advanced research projects agency of the department of defense for the united states government it was originally just the advanced research projects agency and basically they're the tech geeks for the military and for the government who come up with all the new advances the new technology that the military will use and under the original name arpa they're the ones that basically invented the internet it wasn't al gore it was arpa and it was first called arpanet darn them people inventing <laughs> the internet and www. All right. Um, so what they've done is they have developed uh, technology that will sense whether or not there is a living, breathing human being on the other side of the wall. It doesn't really say the the density, but you know you can tell whether or not somebody's somebody's in the next room. Couple that one with the fact that from um, uh, from uh, but Wired Magazine, somebody has already hacked Siri to control their thermostat in their house. And I'll throw another one on here, which I didn't send you guys in the links. Uh, Microsoft has released the SDK for the Kinect. Um, matter of fact, over the weekend, uh, over during the, the Thanksgiving holiday, I already saw commercials uh, showing the different computer applications that Kinect has. Uh, I know that we've talked about this before it, with different you know, DIY and hackers and stuff like that. Now it's getting real where either your body or your voice is going to be able to control your house or whatever it is that you walk into, guys. Um, George, since you're the one that says you're not a gesture, we'll start with you. 
<laughs> How scary and or cool is this? I mean, all three of these in, into one. I think we've got an equal factor, cool and scary. The nefarious uh, so, applications are widely, uh, are pretty obvious, actually, you know, uh, for government and for everyone else, being able to figure out exactly what you're doing in your house. Big Brother can certainly be there. Although the first thing I thought when I read the biometric DARPA thing was, uh, anyone, you guys have all seen Fifth Element, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, are you classified as human? No, I am a meat popsicle. <laughs> and that's the first thought I had is because they use that scene where they can see inside of the place, right? Absolutely. Um, from, from a control standpoint, I think it's pretty cool. Um, you can actually tell if there are people in the room. You don't need a counter. It could probably actually tell by biomass what's there, which would be interesting, you know, sort of like your alarms. You know, is it a cat walking across? Nah, don't turn the alarm off. That is a human form. Turn the alarm on or uh, okay. other application. Right. Um, as for the, as for the, the, the Surrey... I, I, I'm not shocked that this came out. Um, they did so the same thing with Twitter first came out. You know, somebody controlled their lights with Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I like it. I think it's pretty cool. And it has a lot of handicap or disabled uh, or ADA cap- uh, uh, capabilities into it right, right from the start there. I mean, that, even with the one you said with gestures, I'm not a gesture. But in rethinking it a little bit over time, I was like, well, you know, for ADA, that's perfect. Yeah. Gestures and voice are perfect for that. The everyday user may or may not use that, but that's an excellent application. Well, and Don, something I just thought of what George was talking there was the whole, is this a human or, or not, the meat popsicle aside. Um, this is an awesome, incredible occupancy sensor. Absolutely. So, I mean, you, yeah, you're right. If it's a cat, well, then you don't turn on the lights or you don't, you know, you don't trigger whatever, you know, code you have going down the line once, once you sense motion. You say, is this a human being? Is it, you know, above, you know, four some odd feet tall and, you know, this, that and the other and, and all this jazz. That coupled with, you know, everybody and their brothers talking about the fact that Steve Jobs is probably one more thing is going to be a TV controlled by Siri or, or something of that nature. So right. this is something cool to watch at least, at least I think. I think the, the the most interesting thing about this is the fact that Siri was hacked and the instructions are out there. I, you know, I've never been – I've used both Mac and PC my whole life since, you know, Apple IIe <laughs> ages. But the one thing – I've never been the Mac guy. I don't have I everything in my house. I, you know, I have an Android phone. I have, you know, a PC, not a Mac. But the one thing that all of my – Mac friends and and they you know they have that Mac guy attitude oh, yeah. as, as a rule. <laughs> I didn't say that, but they have, they have the Mac guy <laughs> attitude. The one thing that they're always rattling on about is how superior Mac is or i products are because they can't be hacked and they can't have viruses <laughs> and and the reason that there's so many fewer apps on the uh, on the iStore is because they have the strict policy on keeping the hackers and the and the in the the viruses and such out because because you just can't do that to a Mac and it's like well apparently you can because Siri just got hacked and they put out protocols that you know the article mentions that they've sent out protocols on the web that people can hack Siri to do all kinds of things and until they fix the the whatever they're using to break in to you know do this hack yeah. that that's going to be out there so so much for that superiority of having your little iPhone or your iPad <laughs> What's interesting about that total side note is I'm in the process of reading the, the biography of Steve Jobs. He came from the hacker world. Yes. That was his deal. I mean, he, he and Wozniak, by the way, Woz is still a hacker. Yeah. <laughs> um, they built blue boxes for good Yes. States. You yeah. know, I mean, the first Apple was a, was a homebrew, you know, computer. 
Um, and then obviously, Mr. Jobs and his minimalist, you know, um, attitude kind of got away from the whole hacker mentality. He forgot he was a teenage anarchist and what it was like to be yeah. one. He forgot yeah. he dropped acid. <laughs> well, you know, as for the hacking, there was also a, a, an iStore app uh, hack uh, where somebody discovered that you could get uh, you could get some malicious code into an application that Apple did not find and wasn't approved by Apple. Hmm. Um, I don't remember much more about it, but I think it was a Forbes story. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I'm actually trying to look at it right now. But there was a way for it to get basically malware into the iPhone. Well, one of the one of the fastest through the store. Uh, what was it? The um, DefCon every year. The whole deal is, you know, if you if you the fastest person to hack a Mac gets gets to keep gets to keep it. And almost every year, somebody within 30 seconds they'll have some kind of exploit. They'll go to one website, boom, it's hacked. You get the Mac. Right. Um, so, I think you're right. I think the whole the whole you can't be hacked and we don't have viruses is a misnomer. It's the fact that you know there aren't as many Macs. So, guys who make viruses, you know, it's it's the whole you know what's the biggest audience? Well, <laughs> supply and demand. <laughs> supply and although I, it's kind of weird for me because they're viruses and you don't really get anything out of it. But yeah. Well, you get information if you're doing a... Uh, oh, yeah, if you get malicious ones, yeah. And to tell you the truth, I think almost Apple products are more of a target nowadays, not because of the quality of things you could hit, but the quality of the press you'd get covered going, Oh, my God, a Mac was hacked! And the entire news media across the globe will go, Oh, my God! A Mac was hacked! Oh, a Mac was hacked! Look at this malicious code! Ah! I mean, look, why Very would true. Forbes cover a, a hack to the App Store? Or malicious code that runs through the App Store uh, apps. <laughs> Forbes covered it, for goodness sakes. This Very is serious true. stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. No pun intended. Serious. Very uh, nice. But I'm, Very I'm nice. here all week. Two drinks minimum. Two drinks. <laughs> That's what happens. Tip your waitress. If you, if you, not too far. She you. might fall over. Jeez. <laughs> this is what happens when you give George too many days off in a row. Uh, he is George Tucker, the, the Shecky. You know, in, in, in impersonator extraordinary. Yes, I am, and no, you're not. Uh, no, I am not. He is from World Stage. Also uh, with us is the lovely AV Dawn, Dawn Mead. Uh, we're going to take a break here real quick, talk about jobs. If you don't have one, listen up. Uh, we have a, a really cool one in the Jersey area. If you do have a job but you don't like yours and you're in the Jersey area, stay tuned for that. And on the other side, I'm going to be, uh, I'll read the one for Across the Pond. Time for the AV Week job of the week. This week we have Marty from avjoblistings.com. How are you, Marty? Hey, Tim. How are you today? Doing well. What uh, what job do we have for us this week? Uh, this week we have a job coming out of uh, Fairlawn, New Jersey. A company by the name of Control Concepts Incorporated. Um, they're looking for programmers, actually. Uh, specifically, they're looking for a Crestron AMX Medallion programmer uh, to join their team. Someone who's obviously... Familiar and, and well-versed in Crestron programming, well-versed in AMX, and understands the medallion systems. Uh, this is strictly for commercial audiovisual applications, not for home automation, but for commercial applications. Uh, so it's, it's evident that they're looking for someone who's had some uh, experience in commercial programming and not necessarily home automation. Uh, of course, they're looking for someone who knows how to work well with their customers and, and to, uh, at the same time, manage the projects well, the, uh, the troubleshooting of the system. If there's any issues, get to the, uh, to the, to the issue and uh, find a solution for it, uh, providing technical support after 
um, the install or even during the install if there's some uh, if there's some sort of need from the uh, from the installation team. Someone who could consult with the clients uh, just to specify what their needs are to help the client be clear on their vision for their system and get that vision into the actual programming code. Uh, and then also, you know, someone who, uh, who understands that there is some demand behind this and there's time demand, there's travel demand. There's, there comes a lot when you're a programmer when it comes to demand, and uh, and he's looking for someone who understands and has worked in that field. And uh, if you're a programmer out there and you're interested in this in this job, you'll understand what I'm speaking about in terms of the uh, the demand behind being a programmer. Also, he's uh he's definitely interested to know that um that you've uh, you've done code. In a very clean, very um, functional manner, so you'll probably be requested to sending uh, a, a, a some sort of example of your code, a sample of your code. So please be prepared to do that as well. So your code makes sense, in other words. <laughs> right, exactly. <clears throat> and, 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 uh, and more, it makes sense more than just to you. How about that? Right, exactly. So he's going to look at your code, obviously, over there, and he's going to uh, to run it by his team and make sure that it's some uh, something that they can work with in terms of your skill set. So please be prepared when you're uh, sending in your uh, resume to this gentleman. Uh, if you are interested in this, please uh, visit our website, avjoblistings.com, to send in your resume, send in your cover letter if need be, and also send in your uh, sample code. And uh, when you go to avjoblistings.com, uh, you can look up Control Concepts, uh, look up the, uh, the position Crestron AMX Medallion Programmer Engineer, and uh, you will be able to apply to the job online at the website. All right, that's avjoblistings.com to work for Control Concepts. If you're not a programmer, but hey, you do other stuff because there are a thousand and one jobs in the world of AV, uh, mm-hmm. and you're in the U.S. or, or you know, slightly, there, slightly outside because you do all 50 states, right? Definitely, yes. Okay, so go to com. If you're either out of work or you are currently working but not really happy with who you're working for, <laughs> then, then go to avjoblistings.com. Marty, thank you. Thank you, sir. You are listening to AV Week, part of avnations.tv. Uh, we just talked to Marty real quick. Um, Pat was not able to join us this week. Pat Dealey from avjobs.co.uk but she said along this note they do have uh, a job of the week for us it is a systems design i'm sorry an av systems designer working for a a consultant uh, company in berkshire or berkshire i'm not quite sure which um there is some some travel involved so you go to the far east middle east and stuff like that and also in europe but you are based out of out of berkshire uh, compensation is 30 to 40 K plus pension contact David at avjobs.co.uk. David at avjobs.co.uk. Uh, if that's not your gig, then, uh, or if it is your gig, go ahead and go there. If it's not go there and, and, and check something else out. If you're in, in Europe or the middle East. So that is Pat's job of the week. Uh, with us this week is George Tucker and AV Dawn. Um, from Rave Publications again, pre-orders for the Samsung SUR40. Uh, basically, this is the Microsoft Microsoft Surface display. Uh, George, is your wife going to let you buy one? 
Uh, she might actually just, yeah. Really? <laughs> she should talk Not to for the money, but if it was, if it wasn't, an, and I haven't seen the price on this. Eighty-four hundred dollars. Eh, you know what? That's it's not in my market yet, but that's not a bad price for this technology. That was, you know, it hasn't been around that long. Um, and actually, um, a side note: it was developed. Uh, you know, NYU, New York University. Never heard of it. Has a yeah, I know exactly right. A multi-touch interaction research department. Uh, it's headed up by an individual. Uh, I'm trying to remember his name. Jeff Hahn. And if you go and look up on YouTube, the NYU or Jeff Hahn NYU, they have some of the very first demonstrations of this at NYU. Hmm. Using it mostly in a vertical sense, sort of like you would see it at a Department of Defense. You would yeah. envision, you know, how the the uh, the Strategic Air Command would have their displays up. Um, and I like it for what it is. Now, for, if my understanding is this is the very first consumer-grade inter uh, product of this of this type. Am I wrong? Has anyone else seen something that would be attainable by the normal consumer? No, and this is the first. Not I mean, really. I mean, I've seen I've seen um, Bill Gates play with it at multiple different you know trade shows, but this right. is and the first. His, and it's in his like home of the future when they yeah. do those videos. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Uh, you know, it says that they call it somebody called it the kitchen table of the future. You know, I, at first I was like, no, no, but then I could see it. You know, it's like we already read at the table sometimes, so we're already doing stuff in the morning. I can both see it and wonder if this is a further degradation of you know the ar- archetypal husband reading the newspaper while breakfast is being served, but instead he's going to be staring down at the uh, uh, at the table reading the news. Uh, it so could have worked, I guess. So but instead of staring up, he's staring down. Yeah, yeah. Can't even fake that he's looking, you know? <laughs> Although, I guess for combat, somebody putting down the breakfast could just put right over the image, you know? Yeah, that's true. Right. Um, I like it, though. I think it's something really cool, and I'd love to be able to utilize it. It's still, like I said, out of my price range, but, oh, man, would I like one. Don, would you yeah. like one as well? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I agree. We've seen, you know, Bill Gates and, and, and everybody playing with prototypes of these for a few years now. But for the most part, the the horizontal tabletop television, interactive or not, is still kind of a novelty to the average person and to the average company. You know, um, I, I was at the, the uh, GovCom a couple weeks ago, and one of the coolest displays there was a company that did military ready applications Mm. i think i mentioned it last show i was on where they had the tent that they built and the rack and everything and one of the things they had was a large table with the screens in it you know horizontally placed so that they could you know show maps and it was basically like you know in the old world war ii movies they'd push the little men across the table to show (laughs) like the battle formations except it was the digital version of that Oh, and wow. it wasn't even interactive. They controlled it with a computer off to the side. Something like this with a touch screen. I mean, just can you imagine just the military applications, let alone how cool it would be having at home to play video games on? Or, you know, I, I just think it's fantastic. It's I want one. <laughs> I, I could I could play a serious game of Risk on this thing. Yeah, it's funny. I was just oh, thinking that yeah. family night, game night. This oh, is yeah. great. You know. Monopoly. Oh, yeah. And when we get to the point of that you can do holographic projection, then you're going to be moving pieces like that with interaction. There you go. Or, or if 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 this becomes a common thing where these are available, why wouldn't a gaming company come up with something where, instead of a hand controller, you know, have game pieces that when you move it, things happen on the screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know that interact with the touch, t- 
touch receptors on the table. So, I, I mean, I just think that it has so much possibility. I'm really excited that they're available for pre-order. I, I want one. I wish I could afford it. I want it. I know. Right? <laughs> yeah, but, but, you know, at that price, at that price, at that market price, it's not going to be that long, maybe a couple of years before some version of that will be available to our budgets. Right, you know, right. For a grand, that's well within the range of saying, that's a- yes, that's worth $1,000 to me to have in the house. Yeah. Absolutely. Because you're talking uh, about a computer and, and a table. and Right. It's just the technology and the glass and the multi-surfaces to do that multi-touch, you know, that you'll, you'll do it. I mean, you know, they, when they did it at NYU, they showed somebody doing um, a DJ with multiple scratching and having two <laughs> turntables on one screen and kind of stuff. Uh, you know, natural interfaces for this kind of stuff. But you laugh, but that's sellable on a, you know, two iPad long screen. That's yeah. workable. Folds no. up, well, and, and, you know, Boom. I mean, and just think in a couple of years when the price does come down and then you start seeing it in the educational market yeah. and instead of having books and tablets and things, the kids just have their desk. Yeah. yeah. And whatever textbook they need appears on the desk. They and if do they can their get homework this, and I mean, yeah, it's it's there's so much this, possibility. Yeah, sorry about that. If you if you can get this onto an OLED type screen as well. Oh, there you go. Now you're doing man. really thin, really inexpensive. You can roll the thing up and take it with you. Absolutely. You know, th- those have so, so many possibilities. Uh, that is something, I, you know, in this industry, we've all seen a lot of the stuff going on. It's developed. Yeah, we've seen versions of this. This is just really exciting stuff. I it want is. it. I want it. I want it. I just wish Absolutely. it wasn't so expensive. Well, <laughs> it's got to come on the market sometime. And, uh, yeah. For you and me, it's not yet. No, it's not. I mean, j- just think how expensive the first, you know, flat panel was or the first projector or the first Blu-ray player. And now, you know, I buy them for super cheap at Black Friday and you just throw 12 of them in the cart. So, you know, everything comes down in price. You just got to bring it out at high price first. And which is a lesson to our dealers and installers. Don't build a business on this device. <laughs> at it. But don't build your entire profit scale. Please. I already have a business plan worked up, George. <sighs> yeah, but the business plan bad. better have an end date. <laughs> What's that? Meaning, yeah, exactly. Meaning, you know, <laughs> this will go for two years and then we'll take all of our profits and run because it's not going to last as a single business. That's right. Uh, this is from the register. A smart meter. There was a, a smart meter company, or I'm sorry, a utility in Maine who installed smart meters. Uh, if you don't know what a smart meter is, it's uh, a device that sits on your utility and, and shoots back um, over you know, wirelessly to your power company, telling them how much energy you've used. Basically, it is you know it's it's the robotic version or the wireless version, computer version. Of meter readers, uh, back in you know when, when we were all kids, you know there was the the guy that walked around from from house to house and read your meter. Well, this is this is the 2011 version of that. There was a number of complaints, actually 200 of them, that said once these were installed, all sorts of Wi-Fi interference and garage door opener interference. Um, Don is 200, and I should say this. Uh, the main power company, they installed 425,000 of these and 200 people complained. Is this is this a huge issue for them? It doesn't seem like it, but it's really a symptom of a problem that we're going to be coming across more and more around the country, around the world. As more and more items start using some of these unlicensed device spaces, you know, we're back to the white space issue from a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, once we all start jamming into these these particular frequency ranges for our devices and we keep adding more and more devices, smart refrigerators, you know, smart 
everything's smart now, a smart you know thermostat. You can't have something dumb anymore in your house. We're, we're going to run into these interference problems. You know, this is only 200 customers from a little main power company. But you know what? I just heard about a company that lost a major contract because their client put in a new phone system in their office and it interfered with every one of their speakers that the company had installed for them over the past 10 years. And they said, well, that's a problem with the speakers. Replace them all. And it's like, well, actually, no. It's a problem with that phone company or that phone system, and the phone company admitted that there's interference issues with this particular brand or model, but it, it is what it is. you know. So as time goes on and we start populating these bandwidths and these frequencies with more and more devices, we're going to have these issues, and we, we, you know, what, what can you do? The FCC said it's a free-for-all for, yeah. for a lot of these ranges, you know, and, and the big companies, Verizon and whoever, bought up the, the available bandwidths and they're not necessarily sharing so we might as well get used to stories like this i think georgia we're just gonna be you know hacking you know hacking at each other and, and taking punches at each other and you know nobody's really sheriffing any of this well you know i think you know you're right this might be the uh, your tree is overgrowing into my yard too much kind of deal it may very well come down to that especially in urban areas and tightly packed suburban areas you know your wi-fi is interfering with my uh with my TV, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, again, you said that you know, 200 wasn't a lot, but it's 200 people who complained. There right. may have been more who called in saying, there's an issue, I don't understand what's going on. Um, the report also said that their bills jumped. Now, this may be a true life, hey, we now really know what you're doing. Or there may be some interference that's happening that's causing the smart meter to read incorrectly. Or transmit uh, that, incorrectly. Right. It could be wrong or it could be an error check problem in the software that the guy uses to read it. I mean, he does drive around sort of a la Google uh, Maps <laughs> uh, with a big uh, antenna on it, just reading all the information. Uh, or, I was oh, sorry to interrupt, but even yeah. scarier, your, your next door neighbor's Wi-Fi that they're using to surf the Internet, if it's interfering with your smart meter, it could be driving your electricity rates that you're not using. And just charging you more because of this, they, they, they read the signal as they're using cons- power consumption and they're not really. Now, the white spaces thing is supposed to help solve that. They're supposed to be that um, auto-checking that devices utilizing white space technology are supposed to be able to use, which is, is anybody out there? Oh, you guys are out there. Let me find an alternate channel. But you're uh, assuming or, people are doing that, George. Well, right. it has to be built in, right? right. I mean, because – this comes down to, again, that, that article we discussed from Fred Wilson about program or be programmed. Yeah. It's not just about being able to set up your Excel tables or program your own remote. It's understanding the technology that's in your house. It goes for the, uh, the utility companies as well. They, somebody had to have a thought, well, what do we do with interference? And somebody hired off and, ah, you know, who didn't understand. I mean, the article did point out some very important things. That as a staging guy, we always went out and we did wireless microphones. We had to do an uh, you know, interop calculation of will all the wireless mics that we're using work with each other and not interfere on higher order or second order or harmonics of the RF? Will they work in the building that they're going to be in? What's in that building? Is there another Broadway show there? Are there other Wi-Fi things in there? Especially when we got in the the 900 megahertz as well, there were other devices. This white space thing is supposed to help that and it's supposed to be automatic. Now, with the billion devices out there that are currently legacy or will be legacy devices, they're going to still interfere, but at least it would be able to detect them. Right. Um, but the article also points out something important, again, back to that program review programmed. The three main things they said that you need to keep track of when doing anything RF, orientation of the antenna, 
um, the distance between devices broadcasting, and channel separation. Yeah. Those are really three important factors that anybody who has a moment can learn about. The antenna, it's the, it's the sides of an antenna that are the strongest transmissions. The two tips are the weakest. So all you guys that have been putting the antenna flat down and pointing it at you, eh, that's not going to work. And actually right. you're doing yourself a disservice. And then the distance. We've got the inverse square law. All right. So the overtomer doesn't need to know about inverse square law. But every time you go a couple of feet, you, double the, the, you reduce the strength of the signal's effect by double. All right. I'm simplifying. But you get what you I'm saying. You are simplifying. <laughs> but but, here's the thing, though. You, you, you mentioned one thing, and I'll, I'll take issue with this. Mm-hmm. The antenna. Yeah, that's great. If you have a physical antenna. I don't know if you've gone to Best Buy or to Office Max lately, but the normal off-the-shelf router that people can buy, now, by and large, they've gone the way of the cell phone and gotten rid of the physical antenna. It's to their detriment, in my opinion. Absolutely it is. But I'm just saying, that's that's one thing where these people have no control over that. The average well, person, you know, you, you go buy a Linksys or, or a D-Link or whatever, you're not going to be able to control that. And again, program or be programmed. If you're not going out and buying a device then and knowing what you're talking about. And I, you don't need to know the, the you know, minutiae that you, we love to like sort of uh, uh, obsess over. But you should know enough to say, I know how to deal with this. Or you just simply have to suffer the consequences and, you know, get upset until somebody finally does something instead of taking care of it. Well, and 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 I, I get what you're saying, and you're absolutely correct. People like us absolutely would know, you know. Make sure you know about your antennas orientation. Make sure you think keep things separated and so forth. But I mean, Joe consumer, and I hate to underestimate the average. I hope I'm underestimating the average person, but I'm afraid I'm probably not. Your average guy running around Walmart at midnight to get all these electronic things for Christmas for twenty dollars or whatever isn't going to care or know about the inverse square law. If they even listen to this podcast, they'd be saying, ooh, smart tech guy says blah, blah, number, number, blah, blah. <laughs> you, you know, I mean... I, All right, that's the version I, of the dog, uh, dog joke for uh, Farside, right? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, mean I, I, I hate to say that, but, it, you know, it's true. I, 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 I know But you can enough. simplify it in a manual saying, keep them separated by X amount of distance. Yes. I mean, right. I've never seen a Wi-Fi manual, even for enterprise class stuff, that says, hey, don't put this on the back of your plasma. Okay. Now, but we all know in the industry, don't do that. It'll right. kill it. It'll right. just interfere like crazy. But you're assuming people read manuals. You're making awful, awfully large when assumptions When it doesn't here. work, they're going to go online and go to an FAQ at least. No, so they're going to call the 800 number and scream at the poor little person on the end making minimum wage because it doesn't work. Or they're, or they're going to call their AV company and say, all of our speakers don't work now. You have to replace them all when yeah. it's their phone. You know? It, well, again, that's that un- pre-planning. Un- RF is a funny thing. If you're going to send people in doing RF, you better know what RF they're dealing with. But here's – okay, yeah. here's, here's – So not Joe Consumer, but a professional? Come on. Okay, yeah. I don't care. But if you're installing it, you better damn well know how it works and what it does. Yes, in, in a perfect world. But we're talking about two people, two groups of people. I'm going to put Joe Consumer in one group. And I'm going to put the power company, who is a power company. They're not an AV company. They're not an IT company. They're not anything to do with wireless in any way, shape, or form. Not their strong point. And each of these groups are going to do, hey, I want to do X. Whether that's I want to wirelessly read the meter or I want to put a wireless router in my house so I can, you know, do-to-do surf the Internet on, uh, on my laptop or my iPad. 
neither of these people are really talking to each other, and neither of them should be talking to each other when it comes to this dark magic of RF, because neither of them understand what's going on with it. Now, yes, the power company should have done some due diligence and hired somebody who knew, who knew a thing or two about RF, but most likely, just like every other, uh, you know, like most companies, they said, I want to do this. There's nothing stopping me. And so I'm going to do it. And then once they did it, then all this other stuff kind of like collapsed on them. Yeah. Well, uh, and this is part of the foibles of, you know, unlicensed, you know, the ISM frequency sets that are, you know, scattered throughout the spectrum, right? The industrial scientific medical unlicensed frequency sets. And it, it's sort of, you know, fair game, just like FCC Part 15. You know, the, this box must accept interference and not cause it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, you're left with that in some cases. You either have to deal with it and go, well, it's unlicensed, or we have to have the white space rules really, really strictly enforced and have a uh, sort of an analog sunset for <laughs> the old Wi-Fi devices or old RF transmitters so that they can accommodate this new check-me-out uh, 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 frequency allocation. Um, but I still think, you know, there's a, you talk to some of the younger kids who know how to set up stuff, that have been through college, the millennials, they already know this. They may not know the physics of why an RF propagation wave does what it does, but they know that if you put two Wi-Fis on top of each other, that that's not a good thing. They do. <laughs> Most of the ones I speak to, and, and not just the technical ones. You know, these are kids out of college. Um, so I'm not so sure I believe that. Maybe we're dealing with an age issue or well, a generational age. That's my issue. thing is mostly kids out of college don't have houses in the burbs where they're putting these things. Yeah, but they still put Wi-Fi up because, you know, the college dorms aren't running Ethernet cables to everywhere. You know, maybe one port and it's like five kids in a room. You know, I mean, they're going to try and spread it out a little bit. Um, So, yes, I think pox on on the utility company who did this without thinking. And, you know, a slight pox on anybody of a a certain age that gets Wi-Fi Internet (laughs) for not looking at this and saying, well, wait a minute. You know, I mean, again, the the bigger crime is the utility company, the people who implemented this scheme and didn't think twice about it. No, yeah. right? Because it's magic, and it's not magic. It is magic, George. It I'm is, sorry, am I my soapbox? I apologize. It just works. You can do works. magic. <laughs> you can do anything. Sorry. From magic. The, don't believe it. It's so. <laughs> from the BBC, <laughs> Michelle Roberts talks about the latest, greatest uh, contact lens. I don't have contact lenses, so. Um, no, it's it, in all joking aside, what it is is you can see text and email through your contacts, very much um, Terminator ish. Uh, what it, they, they they've done some some uh, successful animal trials, which my question about that is how did the animals <laughs> know you know that they were reading the email, um, or were they just looking at you know lolcats cats all day? Technology, the technology you snorted could allow wearers to read floating text and emails or augment their site, which I think is really cool, with the augmented you know, reality stuff. This was done in WashU, which is in my backyard in, in St. Louis. Uh, there's a couple of things to work out. One is the power supply because, you know, nobody wants to slap a battery in their eyeball. Uh, George, is this is this the latest, greatest thing? And, and can you see this not only from an augmented reality standpoint, but also from... You know, technology and, and integrating with the stuff that we talked about earlier with DARPA and Siri and, and Connect. Yeah, I, obviously. Yeah, I mean, the this is really the true heads-up display, right? And the thing that the pilot, the fighter pilots have in their uh, cockpits, as well as some now, uh, I forget which car has it, but some cars now have an option to project some of the information mm-hmm. 
up on your wind on your wind uh, on your windshield. windshield. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is a very interesting concept. Although I think it could be very distracting. Although maybe that would be my age showing, and the young kids would take up to it, no problem. Um, although what I was thinking when driving, suddenly an email pops up. <laughs> it's like that could be really distracting uh, while you're doing something else. But the other thought I had about these things was, if you remember how they beat the house in Las Vegas, somebody was wearing glasses and they had this little code, oh, yeah. flashing lights yeah. and their little eyeglasses. I was like, this is perfect for that kind of stuff. And oh my gosh, how could I cheat at college? I mean, we have a huge uh, SAT scam going on here up in uh, New York where people were taking the test for other people. I think they've caught like 40 or 50 people now who had the test taken for them by 10 other people. Um, This is one of those things that they're going to not only have to check your hands for writing and your cell phone is off and you have no calculator, but now they're going to have to find a way, I guess, at at, uh, the Las Vegas card tables and at uh, SATs to uh, look in your eyes and make sure you're not wearing a biographic bionic lens. (laughs) Right. And how would you tell them? Because this is a contact lens. Everything I read about this, you know, there's nothing necessarily, unless there's script on the screen at the time, can't really tell. Yeah, there's got to be some way. Uh, you know, my first thought was, you know, how licensed in New York, um, they have this embossed, embedded sort of black light uh, symbol on them. So you can tell if the uh, ID's been uh, uh, manipulated or uh, changed. Mm, okay. Maybe there's something like that that's built in, right? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, Don, do you want a pair of these? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, there's a part of me that says yes, but, I, you know, knock on wood at the moment, I'm still 2020. I've never had to wear contacts. Wow. The idea of sticking something in my eyeball scares the crap out of me. Me too. You know, like even even for Halloween, it's like, oh, that'd be an awesome costume you know, with the white eyes or the yellow or whatever. But I couldn't even get like the cosmetic ones to uh, – it just freaks me out. Now, you know, if we go get some of those glasses that projects things or we start projecting on the windshield or whatever, you know, I, I agree with George. There's a potential for a big distraction. There's a lot of cool stuff you can do with this, but I, I just can't get over the putting something electronic in my eyeball. That that's freaks me out. I can't watch my wife put in contacts. It just it grosses me out. So. Well, isn't yeah, there the, yeah. There's a couple of artists who have embedded cameras in themselves. Do you remember this? No, uh, I believe there's a Middle Eastern uh, artist who's in Chicago or something, and there's another guy in, at NYU who have actually embedded a camera in them in in their head. Um, well, actually, one embedded it because he had um, he lost an eye, so he put it in his eye. Yes, yes, yes. And I you follow him. Guy, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's another guy who just wears a helmet that everywhere he goes, he has this little camera. Yeah. Um, right. So we're already there culturally in a very strange way. You know, not mass acceptance yet, but there's a start to that. Well, and and I mean, we, oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I say, and we have Bluetooths for our phones, basically bionic ears, mm-hmm. and they're now making you know hearing aids that are similar to that, or you know hearing assisters for people that don't need hearing aids, but just the little you know microphone speaker deal. So we're, we're getting to Borg, you know, we're we're, we're being assimilated, <laughs> but I, I, it still freaks me out. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, real quickly, guys, uh, George sent out a, an, an email or a, an, an, a text and, and, and asking people to contact their Congress people this week. I believe it worked, and I can't find anything on, online yet, one way or the other, whether or not this is officially dead, but I believe it is. It's SOPA, S-O-P-A, Stop Online Piracy Act. And on the face of it, it sounds really cool and really groovy, and yes, you know, we're all against piracy because it's evil, and even though we like you know, Captain Jack, you know, piracy is bad and, you know, it, it costs us money. However, the issue with this thing 
is the bottom line, if this thing passes or something similar to it passes, uh, I'm going to go to China just so I can get free, you know, a more free internet. <laughs> because seriously, and nice. it, I, I'm not being facetious in any way, shape, or form. It is kind of funny, but it's also rather sad. The land of the free and the home of the brave will not be so uh, when it comes to the internet. Basically, what they'll do is, is if a site, and this, this attacks content creators and, and aggregators as well, we're a content creator. TV is a content creator. If we had anything on any of our podcasts that was deemed uh, in violation of a copyright law, whether it was fair use or not, there would be no, no, no court settlement. There would be no judge. There would be no jury. There'd be a notice from the content hold, creator holder, the, the, the copyright holder, and our our website, the DNS part, and, and if you want to look up DNS, go Google it. it I don't want to get into the issues of it. But you wouldn't be able to find our site within the borders of the U.S. Uh, that's kind of scary, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's frightening on a, on a number of different levels. Now, Google and Yahoo and you know Apple and, and, and them, they have all come out against this. Uh, Facebook as well. Facebook as well, because they get it too. You know, they they get because you know if you put up, you know, YouTube was was you know that's kind of how YouTube made their made their bones was, you know, putting up episodes or clips of a Family Guy and and Daily Show, and if this was around then, none of us would ever have heard of YouTube, most likely. Mm. Um, right. <clears throat> Don, is this? And I'm just I'm gonna, I'm going to ask you guys just talk about it for a second. Your opinion, your thoughts about SOPA and kind of how our, our government officials are, are taking taking aim at the internet and trying to corral it, I guess, is the best thing they're, they're doing. I mean, I, I kind of can see where they're coming from. I kind of see where, you know, where their brains were when they were coming up with this. You know, they want to reduce piracy. They want to protect copyright holders. And they also, I think in some of the articles were saying, and it'll help crack down on like child porn and all these other things. And, you know, I, I get where they're coming from, but I mean, really, what is this country founded on? Freedom of speech, mm-hmm. you know, free, freedom to express ourselves. And, you know, we've stood up and fought around the world and are still fighting around the world for the rights of people to say what they want to have freedom and even during some of the 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 middle eastern you know populist revolts of the past year it's been american dns and american products like twitter and facebook and such that that people were able to access to spread the news of what was going on in their homeland you know if something like this passes and suddenly you know one person puts up an illegal clip and an entire dns goes down where where's the voice where where are people going to be able to go and talk where are even not just americans but people that use american dns and american internet to get words out on their own countries you know it it, it's just wildly overstepping the bounds of what should happen in a free society based on a little bit of technical knowledge and a little bit of press and and, i mean none of these people in, in in congress are are Techno- technologists. No, none of them. None of them are. You know, maybe a couple well, of them might know IT. Maybe a couple of them might, but I don't think they understand the big picture of what it exactly they're doing with this bill. Because it's not a dump truck. It, yeah, it, it's it's yeah. They're 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 trying it's to do micro, They're they're Thank trying you. to do microsurgery. <laughs> they're trying to do microsurgery on the internet with a machete. Well, yeah, with an elephant gun. <laughs> I, I was <laughs> yeah. going to say, you know, there, there was one member of Congress who knew the internet rather well, but. 
you know, sadly, Congressman Weiner is no longer there. So, George, yeah, she didn't know it well enough. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's the problem. True. He probably understood the technology, but not the cultural ramification. <laughs> George, um, walk me through these Yahoos and and make some right, sense well, of them. Here's the problem with it. It's not, and and I've heard the the slap back from say like the music companies, and you know, well, that should put our little antenna up really quickly. Whenever the music industry is involved in any kind of anti piracy, it's going to be draconian because mm-hmm. uh, they're they're nervous, paranoid Nellies. Um, you know, not seeing a new market for what it is and being able to adapt. Um, but here's the big problem with it: the the process is something that is of a real concern. Piracy and creative content and copywriting. Look, if somebody started copywriting or taking our show and selling ads on a, on a ubiquitous site and we didn't get any part of it, we'd be very upset. So there is some of that that could say, hey, we demand it, we want them taken down, and this would be a process to do so, right? There's a real-world application here, whether it's us or Sony or you know, or, uh, some other independent music label. But it's so draconian and so widely the the the, the, the way that you can get caught in up in this is so wide open that almost anybody could become a victim of it. Mm-hmm. And it really is akin to having a, uh, a paper cut on your finger and the doctor saying, I've got to cut off the hand. Yeah. It, it, yeah. That's how bad it really becomes. I mean, the EFF called it a dangerous wish list. The Center for Democracy and Technology said it has broad collateral damage from, from, for freedom of expression. Um, there's, there's not a solid understanding of what they're actually going to do. They've just been hoodwinked and layered up with, by the, the lobbyists that this is dangerous. Congress must take act. It's a feel-good. Protect America. You know, anything with America in right. it, you know, they're going to say, Let, let's, let's do this. I mean, my personal uh, Congress person, uh, Senator Gillibrand, Senator Gillibrand, if you're listening, I am now gunning for you. I'm, a, uh, I'm not even going into what politics I am. But if I find any candidate from any party that's against what you – she's a co-sponsor of the bill, I'm working to get rid of her. That's wow. it. I'm done. She sent me a lovely little form letter back saying, I understand your expression, but as a co you know, this is really dangerous to our freedom of expressions, and it's too broadly worded. They've got to get down to brass tacks and make it real. Absolutely. Well, and, and, and here's my, my biggest issue with, with pieces of legislation like this, and I have two small children, so do not misunderstand what I'm saying here. Anytime that you take we have to protect the children onto a piece of legislation, my the hairs on the back of my head automatically go up because what that typically does, whether it is, you know, censorship or whatever, when you when you slap that, it's just like it's just like slapping, you know, support our troops onto a piece of legislation Mm. because you can't you're putting Congress people in the position of not being able to vote against it. Right. Whether or and, not. And the, go ahead. Oh, I was I was going to say, and the and the real reality is, you know, as George said, you know, they're trying to put in a method to to control or to to have a methodology to get the the pirated stuff offline, but that already exists. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you go to YouTube, and nine times out of ten, is first of all, as soon as you put something up on YouTube, if they even think that it's copyrighted, it gives you a message right away that says this may contain content that belongs to others mm-hmm. and then they and then they will take it down i mean there are processes already yep. in place on the biggest offenders for this sort of thing and but the, i mean like i you know i said it already it's like trying to do microsurgery you know fine detailed stuff with a machete because they're, they're, they're taking out so much 
other expression. And I mean, it's not even. And I know you said you didn't want to get into DNS, you know. But no, go ahead and get into it. I just didn't want to. You I, know. I mean, you almost have to understand. This is not saying, you know, user A has an illegal clip, so we're going to take down user A's page Mm-mm. of your site. By taking by tackling the DNS, that's the address that you use to find the entire site. If somebody put up an illegal clip on Facebook, all of Facebook would go away. Yeah. I mean that's that's the reality of what this this bill is doing. It is so broadly written and by attacking at the DNS level, it is taking out so much that has nothing to do with one guy's 30-second clip on his Facebook page. You know, you use the use the stuff that's already in place to get rid of that content. You know, talk to Facebook, have them take that guy's page down. Talk to YouTube, have them take that video down. But don't take down Facebook or YouTube or Whatever else, because that I mean, and and sometimes pages share DNS. Yeah, you know they're share hosting, so you're not just taking down you know website A, you're taking down websites A through Z, and and you're not aware of it because you took down that particular DNS. I mean, it, it's just so badly written and it's so broad in its scope that I I just can't fathom that any thinking person in 2011 would even think of passing it. Well, what, but it, a thinking person isn't. It's Congress that's yeah. considering. <laughs> well, Fair you know, enough. <laughs> what they're ignoring too is that there are other methodologies to uh, to taking care of. This. Look at what Google does with YouTube. If you have content up and the copyright person doesn't really want to go after you for it, you don't get any income. But they put up a tag that says you can get this song at, and they direct you towards a store to be able to get the song. Right now, I don't know how much I don't know what the metrics are about how much sales they've done, but that's a channel. If it's free use, but you can't, you know, and but they're going to make money off of your page. There's an answer right there. Yeah. They're using a song. I like that song. That was cool how they used it. I want to get that song. There it is. Right. I can go buy it. The other thing of the, about this is they're saying piracy, 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 which you know, for most of us, piracy is, you know, bit torrents or using stuff to benefit yourself i mean th- there is a fair use uh, of of copyrighted material mm-hmm. uh, it, it's a long protected use it primarily it's either you know for the public good or for you know news programs and things things of that nature where i would say that we're in but if you start saying piracy and, and bit torrents none of these places are in the u.s soil anyway right that's what pisses me off probably more than anything is that these guys are trying to crack down and basically break the United States version of the internet, and that's what it will be. It will be a U.S. version of the internet because the people in England and in Australia and in China will have a different version of the internet because some guy in Sweden wants to put up, you know, the latest Cars 2 movie for you to download. This really isn't about copyright content content copyright. This is about control of the internet. This Mm -hmm. is about... The corporatocracy, for lack of a better word at the moment, wanting to put extraordinarily controls on everything so that they can make the maximum profit off of it rather than wanting it to be a fresh arena of development and innovation that was eventually going to replace some of their old school infrastructure. Well, and the thing is, you know, when we went through all this with Napster a few years ago, we had all this drama and everyone's, oh, you know, Napster is going to absolutely destroy that. There will be no, no music in the world because of Napster. And, and people sharing and piracy and everything. Well, what happened? Okay, maybe the old school method of creating music has changed somewhat. 
But instead, we've had an explosion of music. You have things like, uh, you know, we mock it for social purposes, but MySpace now exists as a place for bands to go and get unsigned bands to go out, get fans, sell their music, make money, and make, you know, it's done nothing but expand the music business. Now, maybe not, you know, Columbia House or, or, you know, RCA or anything, whoever the the companies are, but... It really has improved the music scene in the world, and 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 the companies themselves, the big companies, have developed new ways of distributing the music, and now they sell more than people that won't buy a whole album. This is but no, they will buy downloads. Yeah, you know? here's a, this is this is this is no different than any other transition in um, media, and, and we'll just talk about media and mediums for for a minute. And back, okay, so. Gutenberg. This is how far back I'm going. Um, when Gutenberg came out, the thing that made Gutenberg fantastic, and yes, it was it was movable type. But what that allowed people to do was take the Bible, which is one of the, the one of the most widely read pieces of literature at the time, and copy it really quickly and in different languages. Because up until that time, the Catholic Church, who I would equate to the evil corporations at this day, uh, had a strong stranglehold on the Bible, and it was in Latin, and it was, you know, all of this stuff. Well, the, the, the quote-unquote King James Version we have now today, and obviously other, other versions and stuff like that, but came out of this whole, you know, revolution of movable type and taking information and taking media and taking content and putting it into the hands of the masses and out of the hands of one organization, the elite, right? The elite. So, what happened? You know, a huge explosion, and 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 Martin Luther's Reformation came out of it, and all this other jazz. Mm-hmm. And so, you you move forward, and you go from that, and you go into to newspapers, and you know, Hearst and the Yellow Press, and and all this other stuff. And then you introduce radio. Wow, oh, my goodness, radio is going to destroy, you know, the industry and this, that, and the other. And well, no, not really, because what we're going to do is we're going to introduce you to more people. By playing your your content um, to a wider audience, and hey, you know what? You'll probably make more money <laughs> if more people buy your albums. And then television, you know, television television is going to ruin the movie industry because people are going to sit home and watch TV shows instead of movies. Well, no, not really. Um, there's a there's a, a theory called functional displacement, and functional displacement basically says this: when a new form of communication comes into into play it will displace or you know not not replace but displace the current uh king or the current you know uh head of the heap and the existing you know what's left then is you have to as a media and as a medium have to kind of reinvent yourself Radio did it because radio was the source of news and information and entertainment. Well, TV came along and they were the source of entertainment and, and news. And so now radio has been has reinvented itself into music and talk radio. Nothing wrong with right. it, but that's what they are. TV and books and radio and all these guys are going to have to morph again to make way for the Internet. Because if they don't, then they're just going to go away because the Internet isn't going away. Right. That's my soapbox. So it, it, I agree. No, I agree entirely. Every hallelujah, brother. Said. Preach it. Preach it. Can I get a harum? Can I get a harumph out of the gentleman? Harumph. <laughs> Give the governor a harumph. 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 
Real quickly, I've lost my papers now that I've been pissed off. And I seriously lost my last piece of paper. Hang on. Here it is. I wanted to find it because it's quite important. Um, by the way, you're listening to AV Week, um, and we'll be off the air next week because we'll be all be arrested by the government. Um, <laughs> the corporatocracy. The corporatocracy will come, will come knocking on the door. Who is it? <laughs> Housekeeping. Not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. Uh, stop it. Uh, wave women in AV. That would be Miss Dawn, lovely AV Dawn. Among others. Among, Among others. others, but you know what? <laughs> of the three of us, you're the only woman in AV. So Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, George looks like a leg. I'm my feminine side, but that's another story. <laughs> oh, good <laughs> Lord. I am going to get in so much trouble from this show. Um, I have so lost my... <laughs> December 9th, um, women in AV wave, and Jennifer uh, Willard, uh, she's a rave blog squatter, but she's also she does the, the, the women in AV thing. Um, they are having a an AV meet and tweet on Friday, December 9th. Uh, the times kind of vary. I think they're starting locally at, at 7 Eastern, uh, 6 Central, so on and so forth. So 5 Mountain and, and 4 Pacific. They're doing these all over the place. Uh, in Toronto, in Boston, in D.C., which is, I think, the, one, the closest one to you, Don. Yes. Uh, Chapel Hill, Chicago, San Diego, Los Angeles. Uh, I'll if you if you click on the link on our delicious links, uh, you know what I'll do. I'll do one better. I'll just put a straight up link uh, on the show notes to straight to this article. But I think it's a cool thing. I think Wave is a cool thing. You guys had a really cool AV chat about it. Uh, you've done other things. There was a webinar a few weeks ago. Yes, you've got three women on the Infocom board now. This is kind of taking off uh, really quickly. Yeah, well, you know, we're we're depending on what country and what statistics you're looking at, we're at least 50% of the population, some places more. You know, and we've always been AV like IT and like a lot of the uh STEM careers is t- tends to be male dominated and uh I th- I think it's fantastic that that we've got enough of us a critical mass of women that are active and willing to put together something like Women in AV, the Wave Group on LinkedIn, on Twitter. I think it's great that we're having these tweet-up events. You know, fantastic. Um, we need to stand together, and and not not that the men in our industry are oppressive, because that's one thing the male the, the the AV industry men are wonderful about. Once you prove that you know what you're talking about, you guys are about the most welcoming field for women in technology that that I've come across. And, you know, so kudos to that, guys. But uh, even still, it's it's good to have a girls' night. You know, it, it's great to be able to sit and talk about shoes as well as you know, <laughs> rat- routers. I mean, you know, yeah, you 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 guys, you know, you don't really care when we start talking about yeah, some of this. I, stuff. I don't care if my router matches my shoes. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> and, and, and and talking about things like that, you know. Done. We 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 not only can can commiserate on things like that, but we can talk about how we don't like bringing out pink router boxes just oh, because God. we're women. You know what I mean? I, I read a whole article for Rave a few weeks ago, a couple, a couple months ago at this point, about you know don't make everything pink just because we're women. You know, yeah. <laughs> and 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 th- you know issues like that. It, it, it's good to have a group where you can discuss that without seeming like we're preaching and i always feel like I, if i mention something like that to my husband who's in the industry or, or to you guys it's like well there goes the girl you know <laughs> man haters 
Yeah, no, 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 not even. But I, I think it's a fantastic event. I'm looking forward to going the one on December 9th in D.C. here. Uh, once I get the details, the details aren't up on a, for all the events yet, but they are in the planning stages. They're going to be publicized on Rave under Jennifer Willard's uh, blog, I mm-hmm. believe. Yeah. And also, if you are on LinkedIn, Wave Women in AV has their own LinkedIn group, and I'm sure the events will show up on there as well. Um, I think I think it's great. You know, all the women I've met in the industry have been incredibly supportive, big cheerleaders. You know, not a lot of mean girl stuff going on. And uh, yeah. yay us! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yay the yeah. AV! Yay the AV industry! Not just the AV women, but the AV industry as a whole is pretty cool and groovy that way. I almost said yay us, and then I had to check myself. So, <laughs> um, George, why don't we go to this? I'm I'm going to uh, the closest one in Chicago. So, oh yeah. I think Moda will be there. Yes, I'm there. <laughs> Hello. Hello. No. Um, do, 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 do. I totally lost my way. That's all right. I got to fly very shortly. Okay. Well, I'm on a short tether. You're on a short tether. All right. Um, that is A.V. Dawn. She is... You guys have anything else? You Not really. Promote, pimp, say hey. Not at the moment. Okay. Then that's A.V. Dawn. She is at A.V. Dawn on Twitter. Also her website, avdawn.com. And also one of the Rave Pub blog squatters. Squatters? Rave Pub sure. blog squatters. Almost sounds like you're sitting in a house and you won't leave. Rave Pub <laughs> bloggers. How about that? If it helps, I also write for the Rave Publication newsletter. So you can just call me a writer for Rave Pub she or is a, a reporter. She is a writer for Rave Pubs. There we go. <laughs> and a fabulous consultant. So you should, hi- you. you should hire her to do all sorts of things. Uh, George Tucker doesn't need a job. He works for World Stage. Uh, he's their engineering coordinator. Uh, he also has his own website, which I refuse to try to say. So It is Tucker's Tuesday at typepad.com. Thank you, sir. Also, or Tur- Tucker's Tertiary on Tumblr. On t- that one I hate even worse because uh, it's on Tumblr. Um, you are at uh, Tucker Twos on Twitter. Uh, he's also he writes for, for rave pubs from time to time and uh, also for uh, write for us. But he's you know, on here quite a bit. So. Uh, my name is Tim Albright. I've totally lost it because it's the day after Thanksgiving and, and I'm gone. Bye-bye. So if you'd like to follow me and my ramblings, it is T, D is in David Albright, A-L-B-R-I-G-H-T. More importantly for me and for the whole AV Nation crew, uh, go to the website. Check it out, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Take our survey. Tell us what we're doing right. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Uh, help us make this better. And, uh, oh, uh, check out the other podcast we have coming up in the next week or so. We have a House of Worship podcast dropping sometime around the first of the month. And a DIY podcast dropping when, George? Very shortly, within the next two weeks, probably. Within the next two weeks. So. And we have a, a live event and staging show called The Live Life, which should be recorded within the next two and a half to three weeks. Okay, so there we go. We're, we're trying to do some work. I don't know. It's just, you know. <laughs> yeah, we got day jobs I really have lost it so yeah we have day jobs so uh, thanks guys very much for listening and uh, that's all the time we have for AV week or turkey mom <laughs> <laughs>